The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And I've got Dave LaGreca and Gabby Laspisa from Busted Open Radio here today talking all about our favorite matches. We all made a list. And it could be any match from any company during any period in wrestling history. We're going to run down our list and talk about why we chose the matches we did. We're talking about Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, The Undertaker, Bret Hart, Owen Hart, Thunder Rosa, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, Hulk Hogan, The Stadium Stampede, Kevin Owens, Festival of Friendship, WrestleMania 3, WrestleMania 25, Eddie Guerrero and Art Bar in Mexico. The list goes on and on and on. Great matches, great performers, and great stories. You'll even hear what happened with my match at WrestleMania 28 against CM Punk. I'm not sure I've ever even told the story before. So it's favorite matches uh, with Busted Open Radio coming up. And thanks to everyone who's come out to rock with Fozzie. It's been such a successful tour. We had some great shows in California last week. The Whiskey A Go-Go, one of the best shows we've played. Roseville, California was amazing. Reno, Nevada, first time we've ever been there. Tore the house down. We celebrated the release of Fozzie's new record, Boombox, last Friday. It's finally out. You can get it wherever you buy or stream music. And don't forget to check out the video for I Still Burn. And don't forget to check us out. We've got a few dates left on the Save the World Tour this leg. We're in Colorado Springs at Sunshine Studios tomorrow, May 12th. Then Friday, we're in Denver, Colorado at Oriental Theater. Saturday's all right for Fozzie, Wichita, Kansas at Temple Live. Sunday night, Fort Smith, Arkansas, Temple Live. That show uh, looks like it's almost going to uh, sell out. Get your tickets very quickly for that one. And 5-16, Monday night, we wrap the whole thing up. Go get your tickets at FozzieRock.com. And don't forget the VIP meet and greets as well. It's the best meet and greet in the business. We play a mini set for you. Some songs you won't even hear later in the show. We meet you, we greet you, we hang out. You got five chances left on this leg of the Save the World Tour. It's a great time. Come rock with Fozzie. FozzieRock.com for all the fun and adventure. And speaking of fun and adventure, Dave LaGreca and Gabby Laspisa have their list of favorite matches, as do I, right here, right now on Talk is Jericho. So it's uh, pretty exciting, uh, as I was just talking with Dave LaGreca, and, and I was getting your last name on Gabby Laspisa. Laspisa. That's, uh, that's fun to say. Laspisa. Laspisa. No one ever pronounced him correctly. Yeah. So I love correcting people because it makes feel... That's kind of your thing, isn't it, right? Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the brains have busted open, and uh, Tommy and Bubba, uh, Bully, and Mark Andrew will say otherwise, but I know the truth. Thank you. And that's why here uh, in the Stone Pony, the famous Stone Pony, and uh, a beautiful... Dressing room. <laughs> we are going to do uh, a show today, a, a debate, a, a conversation about our favorite matches in wrestling. And so, Greg, look, Greg, you, had, you said you got, we want to clarify a few things first. Yes, because I want to make sure, is it the best matches or just our personal favorite matches? Because there's a difference. Well, I think it'd be one and the same. If it's your favorite match, then it kind of fits that category, right? All right no, wait a second. Let me ask you this. Is your favorite album, do you think your favorite album is the greatest album of all time? Well, I would think that, yeah. What, what's, what's your favorite album? Well, I mean, right now, let's just say, okay, Master of Puppets, Metallica. So you think that's the greatest album well, of all time? Well, to me it is. I, I don't believe you. You're yeah. going to pick Master of Puppets over any album by the Beatles? Beatles are your all-time favorite band. Yeah, well, I, I could pick the White Album as well. But, but, is, see, but is, I but is, think this is what I think. I'm, I'm going to speak right, for you so first. Don't forget who's... 
show this is the correct okay we're not on your turf anymore. i think your favorite album is master of puppets but if somebody asked you what's the greatest album of all time you would say the white album I don't know about that. I don't know if, uh, what's the, how would you clarify the greatest album of all time? Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band because of uh, the, the inroads it made to production and the recording and, and influence. Made, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's very subjective, which is why there's no right or wrong answer. You know, I mean, we can say whatever you want. You might want to try and put it in a box, Dave, but <laughs> your box is going to be different from my box. It's going to be different from Gabby's box, right? <laughs> yeah, well, let's not talk about that. That was my a ex-wife. softball for you right there. Um, this room that we're doing this interview, I was in this room before. Really? In 1992, uh-huh. I went and saw Wasp here oh, no at kidding. this venue. And this area was completely different 20 years ago. Like I was just talking to somebody outside and I thought my car was going to be gone when I left the concert. But I snuck into this room. This is the dressing room. This is the dressing room because I got I I got a little hammered and I'm a big Dallas Cowboy fan. And Blackie Lawless was wearing a Washington football jersey when he was on stage that night. Ah. I was pissed. Because I thought he was a cowboy fan, and I actually snuck into this room and took his jersey. True story. Well, I was in this room before, too. I came and saw Striper here about wow. five years ago with Howard Jones and uh, Sirius XM's own Richard Christie. Really? Yes, we were in the same dressing room as well. That's so. amazing. Yeah, so. I've never been in this room before. <laughs> First time. But you do know wrestling. I, I know wrestling, but yeah, that's my job. I yeah. don't know the music side of Okay, well, that's, we're not talking about music. That's why. Who's that? A hippie kind of indie like singer who had like two good songs. Okay. And you know, when you were like in high school and you thought it was like teen night here and I thought I was going to die. So I've never been back. <laughs> it's a very famous venue though. It so. is. Yeah. Very it's amazing. It's, yeah. It's good to have you guys here. But like you said, Dave, we, there's really no rules, whatever. Our favorite matches, oh. it could be, there not to be anybody else's favorite matches. Yours. I might pick a couple that no one has ever even heard of before. And I'm not going to pick any that involve me. That's going to be mine. All of mine okay. involve you. Well, no, that's good. Though, I'm just kidding. No, don't get ahead of yourself. <laughs> really? That's not how you sold it to me. That's yeah. why you're on the show. Listen. Okay. Yeah, Whatever on, you man. say. Sure. All right. So, so I couldn't find that many that were good. So, uh, Dave, you look like you came prepared. With oh, some yeah. I, I do a lot of, of research, Chris. You know that. As you do. Yeah. So <laughs> I do. I have. I made a list of my top 11 okay, favorite good. matches of all time. All right, I'll throw one of them. We'll, we'll go. We'll do a round robin here. And we can discuss Ooh. the matches as we okay. go and all that sort of thing. Okay. Because you just said something. There might be matches that not a lot of people know about. Yeah. So I'm going to go back to a match that wasn't part of a pay-per-view or anything like that. And that was July 15th. 1984, which was my birthday. I turned 15 years old, and my parents took me to see Jimmy Superfly Snuka against Rowdy Roddy Piper. And as you remember, that was about a month after the coconut incident. Famous coconut angle. Yes. So I. Was that the garden? It was at the Meadowlands in East Rutherford, New Jersey. My parents never took me to Madison Square Garden. Um, I always saw wrestling every single month at the Meadowlands. To me, Uh. which is. In my, in my opinion, very underrated venue for pro wrestling. We've talked about that before. I yeah. was able to see WWF, NWA, AWA at that venue. But I saw Jimmy Superfly Snuka against Rowdy Roddy Piper. That was the first time I've ever seen Snuka live. And it's probably one of the greatest matches I've ever seen that nobody else has seen unless you were unless in the building you're in the, that night. And that's something interesting that, that's changed now is if that match happened today, it would be on YouTube you know, 20 minutes after the the ending of the show in those days, concerts too, you would go to the, to the show. You would see only what happens in that arena and only the other 10,000, 8,000, 15, whatever it would be. And that would be it. Move on to the next show. So there is something to be said about that because no one saw this except for the people there that night. Dick Worley was your referee. Gary, Michael Capetta was the ring announcer that night. And, uh, just one of the reasons why I love pro wrestling so much and still talk about it. It's, Everybody was behind Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Rowdy Roddy Piper was the most hated man in that building. And I don't think you would have that today. I think, you know, probably half the crowd would be cheering for Snooker and half the crowd would be cheering for Piper. It's interesting. And, and I'll piggyback on that because I'm just going, I have a couple that I, that I looked up, but I'm going kind of one thing's going to lead to another. I think one of my favorite uh, matches, once again, is it technically a five-star mm-hmm. match? I don't even know what a five-star match is, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because to me, uh, a five-star match is the one that draws the most money that the people are the most into, right? That's such an yep. old-timers thing to say, but it's true. 
uh, I love, 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 and I just watched it back a couple of years ago, was uh, Hogan and Mr. T versus Piper and Orndorff. Uh, WrestleMania one. Yep. First WrestleMania. And the reason why is because of Piper. He was so good and he was such a great heel. And you mentioned at this time frame, 84, when was, when was WrestleMania? 86? 85. 85. If there was no Piper, I, I said this to Roddy too uh, when we were working that thing for WrestleMania. Like if there was no Piper, there would be no WrestleMania. No. There would be no WWF. If Vince put everything on the line for that show and it had to draw, yes, Hogan gets the credit. Deservedly so. Yes, the, 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 the rock and wrestling connection with Cindy Lauper and bringing in Mr. T. Yes, that was part of it too. But every good guy needs a bad guy, needs a villain. And Piper was the guy that, that just took that thing to the next level. And we see it once in a while in the, in the world of wrestling. But I remember right around that time frame, again at the Meadowlands, Roddy Piper did a Piper's Pit with Salvatore Belomo. Wow. Okay, Salvatore <laughs> Belomo. And what did he do? He started making fun of Italian people. Why? Because that majority of people in the arena that night were Italian. Wow. He knew exactly what to say. Yeah. People were throwing, you know, cans of beer and, and, and cups of soda and, and wadded up programs at Piper. And it, it was insane. It, it, you yeah. just will never see something True like that. Heat. Yeah, you won't yes. see that because because people still, even up till, gosh, probably the feud I had with Shawn Michaels, I still was getting attacked in the street at times, which was wow. two thousand eight or nine. Yeah, it was right around. People there. still kind of believe, but that kind of is pretty much done at this point well it's crazy because i'm in this more of like a new age fandom too sure. for pro wrestling so like i just started watching like three years ago so when you tell me these things it's hard for me to even to, process yeah. because i've been to shows too and like nothing that insane happens and i feel like i'd be like oh my god like this is insane yeah. but, but you know what gabby but the things that Piper said in the ring that night, you wouldn't be able to say. To say it nowadays, right. Say Everybody would be all over social media. The WWE right. would have yeah. sent out a press release apologizing for the comments. Well, he would, and he did that like in California when he was working with Roy Shire, with Chavo Guerrero, you know, beaners and yeah. taco eating, you know, whatever the, yeah. whatever the racial slurs were that you could use about Mexican people, he would yep. use. And like you said, he would do it with Italians uh, in the garden or probably Puerto Ricans as well. A lot of Puerto Ricans. In, in New York, you could go to wrestling back so in those crazy. days too, right? So that I remember like <laughs> it was yesterday. Salvatore Belomo walks into the ring, and it was supposed to be the junkyard dog, but he got injured earlier in that night against Paul Orndorff. And Roddy Piper takes the mic and goes, What are you doing in the ring? I didn't order a pizza. And I remember my dad just got up off his seat. <laughs> Just like that. Like if oh, Piper was oh in front God. of my father, my dad would have took a swing. You don't yeah. say stuff like that. Yeah. No yeah. way, man. Yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. say that. Yeah, and yeah, it, was, yeah. it was my father hated Piper. I mean, yeah. that's what I felt. And you mentioned like a five-star match. That Superfly Snooker Piper match when the, Dave Meltzer would have gave it a star and a half. Right. But you didn't, you didn't watch wrestling that way. You didn't watch wrestling yeah. like, oh, technically that was... No, you wanted your favorite wrestler to beat the hell out of the other wrestlers. And I still wanted. don't watch wrestling completely the new age way, shall we say. Like, I appreciate great... Like, FTR and, uh, and the Young Bucks last week. Like, I amazing. appreciate... Just amazing, amazing, amazing. Yeah. But I also always look for the story... Yes. And the character and the connection with the audience. Because people will respond to high spots... They have a connection to the Bucks, obviously, and to FTR to an extent. They're getting more there. But that's what wrestling is. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's not a lost art because, like, you know, MJF gets it. He gets it. He understands. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, Eddie Kingston gets it. He understands. That's why I wanted to work with those guys because that's, that's what wrestling is. Yeah. Orange Cassidy. Doesn't have to do anything that people go nuts for him. That's what a five-star wrestling match is to me, along with... The FTRs versus the box, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Like no. if, if, if Hogan and Andre from WrestleMania three happened today, would people have the same response like they did? In they couldn't because it's a different time. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you watch that and put yourself into that time frame of where wrestling was in 1987, where people still believed and they believed in Hogan, you can say what you want about Hogan, but that guy, people believed yep. in him. I was one of them. I was a huge Hulkamaniac. And that whole thing with Andre the Giant, that's another one of my yeah. favorites, turning on. Is it a good match? No, it's, it's, it's dog shit, you know? It's, it's, like, it's like Hogan and Rock, turn the sound down. It's terrible. Turn the sound up. It's one of the most amazing yep. matches you've ever seen yep. in your life.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Yeah, that's what I like. Okay, so I'm going to start out by saying I'm not going to have any of these, you know, old school no, match after match because I don't watch that way and I don't watch it that way. For me, it's all about the emotion. It's all about storyline and it's all about how entertained I am by what I'm seeing. I like to know this is who I want to and this is who I want to lose because I have any kind of emotional attachment to somebody that I'm watching. So I'm going to say it. My matches are my favorite. Yes. They're not the best matches in the world. Should I start with one that you're in or should I sure, not? Yeah, should, sure. Dave? Do I, okay. Yeah, yeah, come on. Dude. Okay. I was giving her so I, much. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, oh, my favorite. I was, like, I, was, I was like, oh, my God. Listen, I'm, I know how to work it so I get invited back on the podcast and <laughs> so maybe by myself and you don't have to be babysitting me. Okay. But um, so one of my all-time favorite matches, and this is one of, you know, I'm going to put out there probably all my matches are in the past three years because that's where my fandom has started. So Double or Nothing 2020, Stadium Stampede match. Oh. (laughs) The Elite Matt Hardy, Inner Circle. Yeah. Tell me that's not one of the most entertaining things you've ever seen on your television and I will say that you're lying because... I've played that. I watch that with my family who doesn't watch pro wrestling. Mm. I've shown that to my friends that don't watch pro wrestling. And just the start of that match, when you guys are running at it, it's like Anchorman. Like when they're going at it, all the Anchormans <laughs> from like whatever. It is so entertaining. And you know who you want to win, but like you don't, it's like you don't have to be so invested where you know, your opinion's wrong about watching it. Right. You're not watching it to make sure like, oh, I got to watch what he does here, or, like what he does here. You're watching it just to entertain yourself and enjoy the fact that you're involved in a pro wrestling match. And there's so much going on, just like the little, you know, hangman on the, on the horse, right. Hardy doing his different um, there's Char- a, in, characters <laughs> in the water when you put the cone on your head. Like when people are popping so loud, you almost feel like you relate to the people because you guys aren't there taking it so seriously. Right. So that for me really was like i didn't know wrestling could be that way i didn't know i could enjoy it so let me give you some behind the scenes about that that's why this is cool and then none of us knows who what the what the matches are so this is all kind of on the fly so stadium stampede it was done because you got to keep this was in the middle of the pandemic right and no one really knew this this was may so it was fairly early on right locked down i think in april so no one really knew what the hell to do, and we were just trying to create entertainment and diversion for everybody watching and for right. ourselves. Like it was right. kind of a up time, right? So somehow, I think actually Cody had the idea of Stadium Stampede, the name. Tony had an idea of doing some kind of a fight in the stadium because mm-hmm. the stadium was available to us, and we've been working in this empty amphitheater. So let's open it up and Why see what's out there. Yeah. So, and Matt and Nick had just come back because they were gone for a while in California because they couldn't travel or for a while, I don't think they really wanted to. And no one really, like I said, no one knew what was going on. So you can't blame anyone for not wanting to travel or whatever it may be. So they had just come back and Santana Ortiz had just come back because mm-hmm. they were stuck in New York with you guys. No one was traveling out of there either. You couldn't even get out of New York in the, aer- in the airport. So I think some guys were like driving to Philly to fly to Philly, whatever. The, Crazy. Whatever it was. So we, what is, what is the stadium saying? What are we going to do? We had a couple ideas of like, or maybe you have to like carry a guy into the end zone to pin him. But then we're like, this end zone's like, there's 120 yards. It's going to be impossible. (laughs) And then we just kind of created this idea of let's just do a big fight. Everyone will kind of peel off into their own little worlds. And then we'll just kind of go from there. You film your part, you film your part, and then each bad guy will get vanquished. Right. Which ends up with Sammy as the last guy and Kenny takes it on him and there's the big thing. So that's kind of where it all came from. And then all the lists, everybody kind of was in charge. Like, I didn't even see what Santana Ortiz uh, oh and, uh, and Matt and uh, who else was up there with him, whoever it was, did for their thing until it was done. I helped produce Hangman and Jake Eggers thing because we had just at finished. At the bar. At the bar. Yeah. Yeah, and then we did the thing on the field with the Bucks and, 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 and Sammy and I. So it really kind of was this cool, everyone just go off into their own little worlds. And, right. 
do some stuff and whatever happens, happens, right? And we were filming it. That aired on a Saturday, I believe, and we were filming it on a Friday. Friday night at like 9 o'clock we started. We finished at 5.25 a.m. with the fire marshal going, if you don't blow off this pyro in the next two minutes, I'm shutting everything down. So that last pyro that you see was literally like, go, 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 boom, 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 boom. Thank you, good night. Three, two, one, you're done. Plug is pulled. So then... I had to go back to the hotel in Jacksonville. I was wearing that football uniform. I had white uh, uh, the line on you because he did the line. Yeah, (laughs) it was amazing. Hair is crazy. Eyes are beat red because it was all night long. And I walked in, and all the stewardesses were waiting to go to the airport. And I walked in, and I had a bat, Floyd, in my hand. (laughs) And they looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, "Rough night, ladies." (laughs) (laughs) So then I went to sleep for four hours. Woke up, and then Kevin Sullivan and I put together the edit. Because I said to Tony, let me take care of it. And you can watch it when we're done. And I don't wow. even know if Tony watched it before it went to air. He kind of trusted me. with Like, I've seen the rough. Because there was a lot of little details in there that I had to add. Right. You know, faraway shots and that sort of thing. And uh, we did it. And I, it's crazy because you were in that big stadium, but I rewatched it last night because I'm a psychopath and I enjoyed it that much and I knew we were going to talk about it. Did though, yeah. But so I rewatched it and not at one moment did it feel like you were the small guys in a big stadium? Like the way it was shot, mm. you, it was never like, there's no crowd in this big stadium and it's just guys on a field wrestling yeah. or doing dumb, like dumb shit. It felt like we were just being taken into each little area while you guys were doing this crazy kind of stuff. So it was the way it was shot too was definitely good because yeah. you could have done it a different kind of way. And you, cause you mentioned the end zone that made me think of this. I didn't even realize end zone, end zone was as huge as it was because it wasn't filmed where you were the small guys trying well, to do anything in those big areas. And that's when we walked out into that stadium, I was like, what are we going to do in here? Yeah. Like this is a literal giant empty stadium and there's nothing in here. What are we going to do? Yeah. And, you know, we've got, you know, we went the day before to kind of do a site thing. And then we kind of started putting together, can you build a giant platform to do a stunt fall? Yeah. Can we get a horse on the field? Because there's a lot of rules that we couldn't do. Can we set up the sprinklers? Can we get the mascot? The can I give the mascot a Judas effect? Can we put some football <laughs> yes, stuff on the side here? Can we go into the bar? Yes, 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 and yes. And one last thing I'll say about it is uh, the, the, the charging anchorman. That was my idea from Game of Thrones. Okay. When you have like the White Walkers and the 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 wall, the wall. I never saw Game of Thrones. So it's basically two Same big thing. lines of combat, and they just go go, and it's ah, yeah. a big charge, and you meet in the middle of the field and start fighting. That's where it came from. So it's so funny. I thought it was a great diversion for the time. Yeah, like you said. Yeah, and and I, I remember. I think it might have been. And excuse me if I'm wrong. I think it was Jim Cornette that was like really critical of the match. Hated and I was like, man, how can you? Like, That's what you're really trying to do something to entertain people. Isn't that, that what wrestling really is? Scared, yes. you know? Yeah. You know, so what else you got, Dave? All right. Uh, you're not going to give us any of yours? Oh, I gave you one. I gave you, I gave you the, the WrestleMania one. I gave you WrestleMania three. I gave you Hogan and... and, and okay, all right, okay. Well, I mean, I, 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 I'll, I'll do the next one after you. It's good to okay. see someone's paying attention, you know? <laughs> yeah, geez, It's a round yeah. table, but you could just I, I know there. this is a match that Gabby has on her <laughs> list, too, since we're talking about Daly's place. And I know, Gabby, you love this match as well, is the Thunder Rosa-Dr. Oh. Britt Baker match, the Lights Out oh, nice. Action match at Daly's place. And you know what? When I re-watched it again... You almost forget when you were watching that match, there were no fans in attendance there. It was just the roster that was there. And for them to do that kind of a match where you never really see women having that kind of match, like a mainstream show like AEW Dynamite, to see that match like that and to do what they did to their bodies without having the crowd behind it and that energy, I thought it was phenomenal. And I voted for it to be match of the year on Busted Open. Mm -hmm. Because I really did feel that that was maybe one of the best matches I've ever seen. Well, that's the thing, too. You forget. So there was a lot of those. Like my whole, I did 14 weeks with Orange Cassidy. And it was great. But I always kind of in the back of my head, I wish there was fans there. Because his act is built around fans. Yeah. But still, here's what I learned very early on. Because I was supposed to do something with Jungle Boy. And I thought... Yeah, Jungle Boy's got such a great connection with the crowd. Let's wait until this curve flattens and we get people back. Yeah. Little did I know it would be almost a year or whatever it was with Crazy. no people. So we realized we can't wait because we don't know when people are coming back. So that's probably why they had the match that they did, Thunder Rose and Britt, because we have to do it. 
if we don't do it now, you know, by the time fans came back, Jungle Boy and I were in different places. There was no place for it anymore. Yeah, and it kind of reminds you know? me of like when Matt Hardy debuted. Yes. With Dynamite, you know, the whole Delete character. Yes. There was no fans to right. chant and, and, Delete. And, and, you can't wait. And, and you if you remember, the same night was when Brody Lee debuted. Yeah. And we were supposed to be in Rochester, New York that night. And there was a double swerve where we were like, everyone thought that Brody was the leader of, uh, Matt was the leader of the Dark Order. We'll debut Brody Lee first in his own town. People go crazy. And at the end of the show, we'll debut Matt Hardy, which will be a double, a double whammy. And we, ne- we missed it by one week. So, And the other thing about that match as well is that people forget Thunder Rosa wasn't even signed with AEW yeah. oh, at right. that time. She was with the NWA. That's so to have that kind of – and she – you know, and Tony Khan having her go over in that match, beating yeah. Dr. Britt yeah. Baker. Yeah. It did so much for Thunder because Britt Baker was Teflon at that time. But because it was unsanctioned, it, did, it wasn't really a, a, a mark on her record. And it made Thunder Rosa. Took well, her. it also it also made Britain a lot of ways. Oh too. yeah, I think yeah. well that that visual of yeah. her with the you know the, the crimson blood. mask. Yeah. Like I think it elevated both of them I so mean, much, especially with that match too. Um, I remember watching. I don't know what footage came out of Brit and walking backstage and getting the standing ovation from everyone in AEW clapping for her. And that's something that even though it was in front of fans, I understood as someone seeing that. Like I feel like the respect of your peers, especially as a woman in yeah. athletics, something like that is such a powerful moment. So that was something watching it was super inspiring as like a female looking out at, into the business and stuff like that. So that was something that really moved me from that match. And that's why it will always stick with me. And then of course, what we've seen recently with the kiss at the end of the story that was just perfectly played out this year with thunder winning after yeah. the whole storyline of everything played out so beautifully, like a whole year later, it's pretty amazing that everyone's like oh you know the why wasn't the rematch so quick why why didn't they pay because look at the payoff we got a year and later wait till the time is right exactly. and wait till the time is right and it's so much more worth it now yeah. and that's why that match as well was j- phenomenal and now thunder's champion and it's well deserved and you're more invested in her now because yeah. it's a year later that's how it should be done the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Okay, you want one, Dave? This is a, uh, a well-known one, but I can't not say Savage versus Steamboat WrestleMania three, which could still be one of my <laughs> top three matches. You don't like it? No, it's it. not that I don't like it. I, I do like it. <laughs> okay. I like it a lot. There's things about that match that bothers me. Well, okay, well let me say say why I like it. Sure. And then you can tell me why it bothers you. Because here's and I know what you're gonna say, because people forget how, how involved George Animal Steel was in that <laughs> match. People forget. Yeah. They almost forget that he was even in it at all. The reason why I like this match, it's not the cliche of just saying it. I lived it, okay, because I was a huge fan at that point in time. And back in the day, there was no pay-per-view. It was closed-circuit television, okay? So you would go to the arena, and on the scoreboard, they would show the matches. And you would sit there watching it on a big screen TV in Mm -hmm. the arena. So they had it for WrestleMania two in Winnipeg, where I grew up. WrestleMania three. They didn't bring the closed circuit in, okay? And all I cared about, what happened with Savage Steam, but what happened? Because the whole angle was brilliant because Savage was the best worker in the company uh, except for Ricky Steamboat. And Steamboat was the best worker in the company except for Randy Savage. They were neck and neck of being just this amazing uh, chemistry that they had. Plus, as characters... Steamboat was the you know the consummate good guy. Savage was the, the evil guy who was hiding behind his, Elizabeth, and then Savage hit the ring bell uh, into Great into Steamboat's throat wow. and crushed his larynx. And, and Ricky told me on Talk Is Jericho that Vince wanted him to go to like voice class and be like, "Call Paul, I'll call Paul." And they finally it was too stupid, so they stopped it. So it built up to this big match, and we didn't get it in Winnipeg, and I was flipping out. But wrestling was so popular then; they showed highlights of it on the sports, uh, not even sports center, on the Detroit sports station that we used to get in Canada. They showed highlights of it, and then I had to wait another month for Coliseum Video, so I didn't get to see it until it came out on video. 
once it did, my friend and I, uh, who had we had our own, you'd call it backyard wrestling now at the time, it was just us wrestling on mats in our house. We memorized that whole match from beginning to end. And I remember, I could be wrong, 23 or 24 two counts, we called them. False finishes now. We didn't know what they were called. 24 two counts. There's so many two counts, we can't believe it. And we had the whole thing <laughs> organized. Let's so do it. Let's do Savage Steamboat. And um, to this day, still lives in my head because that's where I really started realizing I can do this like I can wrestle not as big as those guys but I'm I've learned the routine so that always holds a a dear spot to me now what did you not like about well I mean first and foremost like your favorite being Ricky Steamboat you know Ricky Steamboat is on my top 10 of greatest pro wrestlers of all time by the way you're in my top 10 thank you greatest pro wrestlers of all time and I think I think Steamboat (laughs) a lot of times is underrated for that. Agreed. I, I, I mentioned it on Busted Open and people call in and say, come on, you, hey, if you look and you ask most people their top 10 matches, people are going to have Steamboat and Savage. People are going to have the trifecta with uh, Flair, yeah. you know, in, in 89. So you're talking, you know, four or five of some of the greatest pro wrestling matches of all time involved Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. So I really think he's underappreciated when people look I, I at the agree. greatest. Because he left WWE so quickly, too, or WWF. You yeah. know, he kind of just disappeared for a while, you know? But so what don't you like about the match, it's, though? It's, it's the involvement of George the Animal Steel. It, it bothered me that night because... Because he pushes Savage yes. off the top rope, which leads to the finish, right? Yes. Yeah. And because like you, I was completely involved in that story. I thought the story was amazing. And uh, I saw it on closed circuit TV, I saw it at the William Patterson College gymnasium. Uh, and if you remember, WrestleMania three started in the afternoon. The gymnasium, there was no curtains on the windows. So for half the show, you couldn't see it on close circuit TV because it was too light in the gymnasium. So but uh, that, that involvement of George the Animal Steel. That's a great just, point. Yeah. It, 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 bothered, it bothered me that night. It, you know, you know what's funny? Is, and, and then we'll get to, to Gabby's next choice. <laughs> it's funny because we were just talking about the, I think it was the fifth anniversary of the Festival of Friendship with Kevin Owens and I. Amazing. Which to me is still one of the greatest Raw segments ever. Completely unbiased saying that. But what I forgot completely is that Gilbert's in that. He comes down there for no apparent reason. It's like, why the f*** is Gilbert in this? It's because he was doing something with, with Goldberg coming up. But it's like, you forget that George Animal Steel was in that match. You forget that Gilbert was in the Festival of Friendship. You kind of edit out the things that you don't want to remember. No, <laughs> and you know about. what? You didn't need to have his no, involvement at all. You it would still yeah. would have been a classic match. Yeah, of course. It still would have told an amazing story and would have been, like you said, yeah. that kiss at the end right he didn't need to have george animal steel involved one in last match. thing i asked steamboat which one did you like better flair versus steamboat whichever the classic one was great american bash i think well it was they, they had the three class of champions okay, chi town he yeah. let's say what was your favorite was it was it was it would you like better savage versus steamboat wrestlemania or flair versus steamboat at clash the champions he said i'm gonna answer it this way uh steamboat versus savage we had a list from move one to move 250 flair and steamboat we just called it all in the ring which one do you think i like better the i won't leave it at that in the ring yeah <laughs> it has to be right i mean come on yeah then and in my opinion does that take a little bit away from the match that they it had everything Corey? it doesn't to me because maybe that's how savage like to work so there's two sides of the wrestling okay. coin you know because a lot of guys can't call it in the ring like those guys could and a lot of guys couldn't remember that many that many segments like those guys could so there's there's pros and cons to both what do you prefer well no one calls it in the ring anymore i mean i could i could call in the ring tomorrow if i had to with anybody so if there was some kind of a problem where you had to call in the ring i'd be totally cool with it just follow me but no one wants to do that because it's scary Mm -hmm. if you don't have experience so those days are probably gone so I, I, I don't mind the way it is now, but I also don't mind calling in the ring. I can do it. You know, not a lot of guys can, but I could. Awesome. You do everything. Chris Yard can do everything. <laughs> How about you, Gabby? <laughs> Thank you. Well, so I'm, I have two just because I know one, me and Dave have the same match, and they're both for reasons of very similar nature, One, even though they're both from different companies. So um, family is very, very important to me. So when anytime I see storylines involving kind of family in that deep kind of emotion, I'm always, always pulled in. So I have to say the Hell in a Cell match between Roman Reigns and Jey Uso, just because it oh, wow. was, I know, it's not one that like I think was super iconic in the sense of it was one of the greatest matches of all time, even though it was a great match. For me, 
it was the beginning of the bloodline, which we now see is taking over, I think. When was that match? Um, 20, 2020, I believe. Okay, so it's in the last couple of years. That's what I thought. Yeah, 2020. And then the ending with Offensika coming out, like the sim- mm. symbolism of that, you know, the storyline of where it's come to now, where it's all about family and Roman is this top dog. Like, it literally gave me chills. And that's something historically, like, I was not fully up on. Obviously, I'm like, why was it important? Like, who are they? And then, you know, you research it as I do because I work for a pro wrestling show and I'm a psycho and I do these things. <laughs> but, you know, and then you realize the importance of it and you're like, wow, that's that's pretty amazing and that's kind of cool that they all do everything together now with the bloodline and then on the other side of it with AEW from 2019 one of the best matches that I know Dave has as well from double or nothing is Cody and Dustin right which was probably the first time ever watching a pro wrestling match that I got even emotional watching anything yeah because of you know what he said like I need my big brother and like the blood like I didn't know you could be that emotionally invested in something until I watched that match and obviously they're both phenomenal in the ring so the match was amazing and I know Dave was there and I wasn't so I remember we talked about it after and he was like you don't even understand like being there whatever and I was like I was watching at home and I felt that same way not a lot of matches can do that for people at home and in the arenas I feel like so that was something and I have two older brothers just personally so for me it hits a different kind of level when you can make me that invested I don't get emotional about anything Chris I'm pretty much (laughs) black soul like let's be real so I don't get emotional from anything so to watch pro wrestling and that was like the second year I even started watching to be like wow I almost started crying watching a match that's unheard of. Like, who am I? But that's how good that match was, in my Absolutely. opinion. No, I agree. And the thing about that, that, uh, you know, both of those, obviously, brothers, and who's their father? Dusty Rhodes. Right. And that's the first time when I saw both those guys were like, you know, you grow up under your father's tutelage, and they grew up in different eras of their father, obviously. Uh, but that's where the Dusty Rhodes storytelling. Dusty probably never had a quote-unquote five-star match in his life, but Dusty had some of the greatest matches of all yep. time because he could tell that story. Right. You know what I mean? And the only, the, only, the only thing I don't like about that match, you want to talk about a five-star match, according to Dave Meltzer, the oldest guy to ever have a five-star match prior to that was me. Kenny and I at the Tokyo <laughs> Dome, I think I was 48 at the time, and Dustin was like 50 when he had that and he got five stars, so he's now the wow. oldest guy to have a five-star it, match. It's, it's a great match. That was a great show, that Double or Nothing was show. That Vegas? That was in Vegas, yeah. Was that me and Hangman or me and Kenny? No, yeah. that was you and Kenny. Me and Kenny, gotcha. That was uh, a decent match. And yeah. you know what? And you mentioned <laughs> eras. The other story that was the thread going into that match was kind of like the new era versus the attitude era, if you remember. He kind of, uh, Cody in his promo leading up talked about putting like the dead horse, you know, putting the horse oh, putting down. The horse, yeah, 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 putting a bullet in the horse. Like that was a tremendous story on, on so many different levels. Like you said, brother and brother, but just era versus era as well. So it was yeah, a great yeah. match. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's my turn. It's your turn. I think it's my turn. Go ahead. Um, I'm going to go with, if, if I could jump ahead just to my all-time Whatever favorite match. <laughs> to me... This is my all-time favorite match. If somebody from Mars came to Earth and said, I want to see a wrestling match, what's this all about? This is the match that I would put on for so many different reasons, Chris. And this is Flair versus Funk I Quit match at Class of Champions in 1989. The classic. Okay. I mean, first of all, my number one is Ric Flair. My number two is Terry Funk. On commentary, the greatest voice in the history of pro wrestling jim ross and the second greatest voice in the history of pro wrestling gordon soley <laughs> tommy young is your referee <laughs> referee like it's it's just greatness and 
This is why Terry Funk, I think, is another person who needs to be acknowledged as one of the greatest of all time because he could do anything. Right. You know, he's, here's a guy who can mat wrestle in the NWA and then do a moonsault off the top rope through a ladder in ECW. Yeah. And what he did in that match with Flair, just the visuals, the, the facial expressions, uh, it, it's to me the perfect match. First Flair time I ever fun. saw a pile driver on a table. Uh, right? It did not break. Yeah, and it didn't break. And <laughs> I wasn't like, supposed really, to. that's like kind of like the first like hard match. I'm not kidding. It's the first yeah. time I ever seen anything. I couldn't believe it. What's he doing? Pile driver on a table? That's going to kill him. You know what <laughs> I mean? It, it, now we see a table bump, you know, in the first five minutes of the, of the show and continue from there, right? And, and I think, too, with Flair, with all the classic matches that he had, he showed a different side to himself, too. And I just think it's I the think perfect I think he match. had to because Terry worked so tough. Yes. You had to. Like, Flair was really great at being kind of a chameleon. He played the Flair part, but when somebody challenged him in that way, I mean, he had to keep up with Terry. And, and it wasn't like Terry was shooting on him. They just knew, okay, we're going to amp this shit up here, right? And you know what? And we kind of get used to it. Like you said, the table. But even the chops. Yeah. Like it becomes like yeah. a succession of chops in the ring. The way Terry Funk sold those flare chops, yeah, like like it like was the most painful. Like he yeah. just took a bullet into the chest. Like it, it's 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 unbelievable that yeah. match. I suggest everybody goes and watches that match. Uh, I'll continue with another one that you mentioned. Family. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's a family that I know very well. Of course, is Owen Hart and Bret Hart at WrestleMania 10 yeah. opening match. Um, this was Owen's kind of coming out party because everybody knows the story that it was supposed to be Bruce that was going to be up against Brett. Brett said, Bruce isn't the guy. My brother Owen's the guy. He's like, oh, we've already had Owen. I'm telling you, Owen's the guy. And they give him a shot. And I was a huge Owen Hart fan. He, he was probably more of the reason why I got in the business than Steamboat or Shawn Michaels was. Those are the three guys that I watched because I can, they're smaller. I can relate to them. But Owen lived in Calgary, which... I don't know how, how to get to New York or how to get to freaking, you know, Dallas, but I can get in a car and go that way for 12 hours and get to Calgary. Right. So I think I can get into wrestling. And then Owen, his style, I remember the first time I ever saw him on Stampede Wrestling, they had a highlight reel of him to the song Hearts on Fire by Brian Adams. Wow. And it's just all these incredible flips and things that you'd never seen before Owen was such a pioneer like things he went to Mexico and Japan and sucked it all in like a sponge and was doing all this stuff that was just mind-blowing so when he got his chance I was like oh this is great what we didn't know is how great of a character he had and how good he was at playing this kind of whiny little brother and the thing I love about that match which technically I mean people forget how great Bret Hart is as a technician Go back and watch any Bret Hart match from that era. If you guys are listening, you'll see everything fits. It's perfect. It's great. Um, Technically, it's a great match. But once again, as we discussed earlier, the story is what I love the most. Uh, Owen wins. It's the big night of Owen's career. He wins the match. He's so excited. Afterwards, he's in the garden. He's yelling that promo. He's got spit sticking out of the side of his... (laughs) And right behind him, you can see Teddy Irvin. The only time uh, there's a picture up on the wall of Pete Stempkowski scoring a goal in overtime, and Ted Irvin's right there. My dad, they've since taken it down when Messi and the the Rangers won the Stanley Cup. They replaced some pictures, but you can see that. And the best part of the whole match to me is not what happens in the match. It happens about three hours later when Brett wins the title from Yokozuna, right? Yokozuna. And at the end, you see Owen in the the aisleway, and he's standing there like... He did it again. The biggest night of my life. And my older brother yeah. still gets the spotlight. Wow. It's not fair. And you can just see that. And it's like, what a great moment. What a great storytelling moment. And it led to many more amazing matches and, and moments for Brett and Owen, which leads to also a Dustin Cody moment. Yeah. Like, you're my brother, man. You're my brother. And they hug and you're crying. And then they become this evil brother duo. Like, it's just one of my favorite stories in WWE history is the Hart brothers. You know, Bret Hart is like, you know, to compare it to music, like the band Rush. Yeah. Like, just technically everything is is perfect and where it's supposed yes. to be at all times. And and when you went and saw Rush live, they were perfect to, yeah. to the point. You know, that was that was. There's, there's a clip online of a guy playing playing uh, a piece of a drum part from every Rush song. It's, I'll, I'll send it to you. It's about 20 minutes long. He goes through every, from song one on the first Rock record really? to the last song of Clockwork Angels. My point being is that, much like Brett, yeah, we know Rush is great, but you forget just how 
good they are because i go through it's yep. like oh there's oh, i know that song that's song. i forgot about that on the counterpart out counterpart yeah. album. i love that every song on that album i haven't heard it in 10 years and you forget how good you take it for granted, you take it for granted. and brett yeah. was one of those guys dimalenko is another one like that too go back and watch some of his stuff and you'll see just how great these guys were so what's your next choice gabby okay so speaking of people that are just classically good at pro wrestling uh this match was actually coined the greatest wrestling match when it was promoted, and that was <laughs> Orton Edge at Backlash of 2020. Just because the greatest wrestling match of all time, greatest wrestling match ever. I think it was yeah. ever, not all time, okay, ever, ever, ever. Yeah. Um, and this was another one that no fans in attendance, but it was one that for me it was the first storyline that I had watched really where it was built so far down for the WWE where they really, really made it a long going storyline involving Christian at the time, Beth Phoenix, like, you know, his wife, all these kinds of things where Orton was just evil and Edge was just so over. And I was like, oh my God. And I was like, were they friends once? Like what happens? Like he went on his neck, he got him injured again after Edge had just come back. And it was that emotion of it. And then this match that they were just murdering each other like killing each other and i felt the hostility and it felt real to me it was one of the first matches that felt very real where i was like these guys really this came from friendship to hatred and that's something that i think everyone can relate to at some point and the both of them are just phenomenal in the ring i know you have experience i'm sure of course so that was something for me was one of those matches where I was like, this is something I can watch over and over again. And I didn't need the fans to tell me who I liked and didn't like. And that's a big deal too. You knew who was bad. You knew who was good. And they were just going to give you a good match no matter what. So it might not be everyone's like most iconic, like number one. But for me, you're going to tell me one of my favorite. That was one of my favorites. You know what I really liked about that match is, is twofold. One, they actually made those guys have to go out there and promote the greatest wrestling match ever. Do you know how hard that is to even like, I'd almost be like, what are we going (laughs) to do? Like, let's not even worry about it. Let's just go out there and have a match and whatever. But they took that into stride also too. And Dave, you could probably back me up on this. I think that was, they just had that WrestleMania match. It was almost kind of panned for being too long, too sterile. And I know that pissed both of them off to the point where like, okay, all right, you think that one was bad? Okay, we're going to show you mm-hmm. that we are going to make this the greatest wrestling match. And they went in with that attitude, and I thought they did a pretty good job yeah. considering that, you know, that'd be like me going on stage tonight saying, you know, Chris Jericho, the greatest singer of all time. How can you even match up to that? <laughs> yeah. I could go out there singing like freaking, you know, Bruce Dickinson in 1986. I still wouldn't live up to calling myself the greatest singer of all time, you know And I mean? And doing it in front of no fans. No fans. That's a good point, you know? too. That's yeah. right. No fans. Yeah, so that was difficult. And I would challenge you, I would say Bruce Dickinson in 1985, not 1986. Okay, well, <laughs> was he starting to lose his voice at that point? Dave, is Jericho on your too, top 10 singers too, of all time long. list? I know you've listed for everything. No, yeah. Chris Jericho. Oh, oh Chris Jericho. You can't say that. Chris, Chris, <laughs> oh. I did a YouTube video. You can find it oh, with cool. my brother. Um, and we did the top front men in rock. And I had Chris oh, Jericho, you, singer of... Fozzie on my list. I appreciate what number? That. Yep. Well, it was number five. It's all inclusive. He's, you're number four on mine, so I'll take it. I win. It. <laughs> no, it was. It was number five. Because, and I'll challenge anybody on it. Go. I'll challenge anybody who's listening right now. You got to make sure you see Fozzie first before you yes. challenge me on where I have him on my list. Because gotcha. you can't do it unless you go and see that. That is live. true. That is true. We do have a lot of fun at our shows, so you'll yep. see tonight. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed. Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We got about probably another 15 minutes or so, so we won't get through your whole list. But pick some big shit. I, I have so much stuff here. I got my top five venues. I got my top ten wrestlers. Of <laughs> oh, all. They're not even laminated. We got a part two. I, I, they're usually laminated. I wasn't Chris. laminated to freaking Asbury Park. Something could happen. To you can trust Chris. Um, and this is and this is. I have the particular match that's my favorite, but this is one of my all-time favorite feuds, and I haven't mentioned you yet. 
but you you talked about 2008 the feud that you had with Shawn Michaels yeah. in 2008. And I still feel that that feud, and this match included, is a big reason why the WWE got away from blood. Because it seemed like right after that feud, oh, it's, they got away from... It's very much the reason why we got away wow. from blood. Shawn got so much blood in that, um, uh, was it No Holds Barred match that we had or whatever it was? Whatever one it was. No, it was the first one of the series. Just a, a, a normal match where he got color. I think it was in Omaha or something like that. Uh, somewhere in Kansas, Wichita maybe. So much blood that Vince is like, we're done. No more blood. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, that was, the, the, Shawn will tell you, that was the one. Have you ever said that publicly? Because I don't, I've never heard I that. I don't know if I have. I might have written about it in one of our books, but I do know that Shawn got bled so bad that Vince was like, we're done with blood. Because after that is when Dave Batista uh, got some blood in the cage and got that huge fine. Mm-hmm. I got fined when Flair got color, which is a whole other story. <laughs> but he was fining people at that point in time. No more blood. I'm not kidding. It's it's a well known story. You find Dave Batista hundred grand for getting color in the cage match we had for the world title in Tampa. He was very very stiff about it, and vigilant about it, and it was because Sean got so much color. And someone see, must have said something. See, I didn't know that, but just as a fan, I noticed that once that feud was over, yeah. that I never you never saw blood. Great in the point. WWE. Yeah, you picked it up. That's wow. the truth. Yeah, but that series of matches. Uh, I have the, the No Mercy match from October of 2008, but you could the ladder match. Yes, yeah. But you can go, and that's on my list again. Uh, buy your latest book uh, of all your matches. <laughs> yeah, There's the top ten Dave LaGreca. That's right. Matches. That's right. So um, yeah, I, I thought that that feud. You could write a book, Chris, just, just on that, that feud. feud alone. I think if they were going to do a doc, and they probably won't ever because I'm not there uh, anymore, do a documentary about the Shawn Michaels Chris Jericho feud and almost make it like a textbook and how to have right. a great story which once again we talked about and the reason why is that was never supposed to be a seven eight month story that culminates for the world title in a ladder match right mm-hmm. it started as a one night thing because I had nothing to do and Shawn had nothing to do so I was the referee in a match with Shawn and Dave Batista. I think it was an ambulance match or something and it was going to turn on him and it was going to go to a one match pay-per-view Sean and Jericho Sean wins away we go and Sean goes what are you doing after this I go I don't know I said what are you doing after this he goes I don't know he said why are we going to wrap this up in one in one you know one month because we'd already had the Wrestlemania match in 2003 yeah. which was a great match and we hadn't worked since so we had a couple matches after but you know what I mean so I was like why why aren't we doing something with this so that's when Sean came up with the idea it all started with him kind of faking a knee injury which threw Dave off his game and Sean was able to beat him and as the referee I'm the only guy that was in there that knew he was faking and I kept accusing him of faking people forget about this part of it he kept straight he kept straight you're faking you're faking you're faking I know it and I started working myself into a tizzy Mm -hmm. as the heel because I know this guy is faking and no one is believing me you're a hypocrite you're all hypocrites that's what i was calling fans hypocrites because yep. what he did was then he admitted yeah i faked it and everyone cheered him and that was it that's when i threw him through the tron the the, the worst is yet to come which is a song on the new Fozzie record by the way the worst is yet to come because he started it he faked the knee injury he wouldn't admit it he finally admitted it. everybody cheered i was right and i'm the bad guy yeah he's a he's a liar <laughs> You great. guys are hypocrites. And so that's good. where it started. And, you know, any great heel uh, has a kernel of truth as to why they have an issue. And as long as you can stick to that kernel of truth, you've got something. Yeah. And that's where it all started. And like I said, culminated seven months later. It was never supposed to be anything more than a one-month thing. And, and really quick, another great story, and people forget the story, is the match you had with CM Punk at WrestleMania 28. The story leading into it and the match itself, I thought was another great view. Well, that story story. was supposed to be, uh, I was going to tattoo him. Um, he's got so many tattoos and at the, you know, people have so many tattoos now. There's the Brody King and Malachi, but back then he was the only guy that was kind of a tattooed all Mm -hmm. over. Yeah. And so uh, I'll tattoo him. And I remember I, I pitched it to Vince and he was all into it until somebody told him, that when you tattoo somebody, it bleeds. And he was still, that was after the Shawn Michaels. Yeah, still yes, answer. Yeah. I'm like, it doesn't bleed much, but someone told him it bleeds, it bleeds, it bleeds. Oh. I bet you somebody probably doesn't even have any tattoos said that to him. So he goes, it doesn't matter. It's not even a big deal. I said, it is a big deal. I'm tattooing. He goes, he's got so many tattoos. 
I said I was going to tattoo my initials CJ, and and he's like, hey, what does it matter? I said it doesn't matter. It's it's like it's like forcing yourself yes. onto him. You know, it's, it's like it, he's your bitch. Yeah, almost. It's, it's like it's, you're branding it's, him it's, as it's, your bitch. It's, like, it's almost yeah. like, oh, oh come on. I go okay, for a tattooed guy. Forcing my initials onto his body, anybody's body, but especially him, because you know also too when you have a lot of tattoos, what they mean to yeah. you. Right. Each tattoo means something, and even ones like Phil has a bunch that don't mean anything to him, like a like an ice cream sandwich or whatever. It does mean something. Yeah, to it's him. a story they, they behind story. every tattoo. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm I'm invading your story and and forcing myself onto you. And anyways, Vince changed it. He goes, wasn't well, isn't his, isn't his father an alcoholic? And then we went down that road. And he started, he didn't even ask Punk about it until he'd already kind of decided. Oh, really? And wow. Punk, Punk obviously had to prove it. Punk was cool with it. But yeah, it was, it was supposed to go this way and Vince changed it that way. And so we kind of had to make, make the best thing out of it we could from that. I thought it was uh, the best match that night. And that's saying something because you had Rock, Cena, and you had well, thanks, Undertaker, man. Triple H, and I Hell I think that match is a little underrated because of that. And I'll also tell you one last little thing about it is Vince wanted that match to be two minutes long. What? Yes. Punk and I uh, had, had visions of being a, a savage steamboat for the modern age. Vince did have a point looking back in retrospect because if you remember I was calling his father a drunk I poured alcohol down his, his, his mouth I hit him with bottles I did a lot of really shitty things and he wanted Punk to just get me in the ring and just go nuts and, and he wanted to do the terrible kick the guy in the corner ref counts the 5 DQ and I said Vince we can't do that at Wrestlemania oh he goes what, is he, what else is he supposed to do you insulted his family. You insulted his sister. You poured alcohol down his throat. What are you supposed to do? Tackle, drop down, leapfrog? And I was like, he has a point. Yeah. He has a point. So we decided that Vince came up with the idea is if, if CM Punk gets disqualified, I win the title. So he couldn't, he couldn't go completely crazy. And there was some semblance of rules that had to be followed. Mm -hmm. So at least we could still have a match. And there was a reason why Punk didn't just take a chair and take my head off. So... I don't know if I've ever told that story. A little, see, a little story. scoop for you guys. It's almost story. like I'm interviewing you. I yeah. Who's just on Boston Ovid? So uh, we've got time for a few more. One that I have to mention because it is one of my favorites that I totally forgot until I was thinking about this today. Uh, Los Gringos Locos, Eddie Guerrero and Art Bar versus uh, El Hilo de Santo and Octagon when worlds collide 1994. Might have been 93, 94. Um, so Eddie and Art were the, were the evil heel tag team the gringos in mexico and people hated them and this is when art bar was the most hated personality in all of wrestling in mexico and eddie at the time didn't really talk he was just the guy that could work like a mother so this was kind of the first time we'd ever seen a team like this in the modern era a guy like eddie who was a pioneer at all of the stuff that we talk about today matches high spots maneuvers but he was so vicious too eddie wrestled like he was a giant like he really could you could believe him beating up big show because he looked like he could when he was in the ring right and art was the talker and they had so much heat as a matter of fact a lot of stuff that eddie did as a heel he got from art bar years earlier and santo obviously is a legend octagon is a legend and it was uh hair versus mask double mask versus double hair and it was in los angeles I could be getting some of those details wrong, and if I am, I apologize, but I'm not a detail guy. I just remember the match. Anyways, they had the pay-per-view in, in Los Angeles, sold the place out, and they were going nuts for Santo and Octagon, and they hate, hate, hate. You think you talk about Piper being hated, and listen, yes, not the same level, but for the 90s, it's the most hated you'll ever see two guys if you go watch it. And they had this match where you could see the beginnings of what wrestling was becoming. We mentioned FTR and the Young Bucks. This was kind of the first version of that. All these moves you'd never seen, 90s versions, of course, where a tope was a big deal yeah. or a moonsault, but it was mind-blowing the stuff they did, the double teams that they did, but combined with the heat that they had from these people. And when they got the false finishes where people thought that these guys were going to lose their masks to these evil assholes, and then when they finally lose and they get the heads shaved, the whole thing, it's it's still one of the greatest, and, and Dave Meltzer will agree with me on this, one of the greatest matches, storylines, and crowd reactions that you'll ever uh, see in your life. So if anybody hasn't seen it, especially you, Gabby, being yeah. a new wrestling fan, yeah. you might want to watch that one because that's one of those ones where you go, holy f 
That's why I love pro wrestling. Yeah, I definitely yeah. will. Yeah. And see, I love Gabby's kind of like new fandom. No, yeah. Because you say it all the time in regards to Paul Stanley. It doesn't matter, you know, what doesn't matter. you get off of as long as now as long, you're a yeah. fan. So I love seeing Gabby, just seeing her face like falling in love with pro wrestling. Because when she joined Busted Open, she wasn't a fan. She never watched wrestling. Oh, wow. Yeah, you never. Just as a, you were just the producer of the show or just... No, I don't. So if we'll get it. So yeah, I just started working the show and I started watching Dave and what they were doing. And I was like, I need to be part of this. This is amazing. So then I just started watching because I needed to know what I was so cool. working with. Yeah. And then I fell, I fell in love with it. Like legitimately fell in love. I'm learning from the greatest people of all time. But now I watch with my own perspective as opposed to like learning from what they're saying. Right. I have my own opinions on stuff. And it took, yeah, I've only been watching for three years. So I, people don't believe me. They literally are like, no, there's no way. And I'm like, no, I, when you are that invested in something, like I am proud to say that my opinion's different than someone no, else who's grown cool. up that's watching it. Point. Because awesome. I bring my friends into it and I'm like, what do you think about this? Because everything you're watching, you can have a different opinion about. It's not sure. black and white. You know, I can like this person because Absolutely. of this reason or whatever. So I think that's the beauty of pro wrestling as opposed to anything else. That you no, it, it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning. It doesn't matter what I think or 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 he thinks about your opinion. You like this, and you're gonna right. have memories and connections to it. That's the beauty of wrestling. Yep. It's, yes, like, I always say this to so many guys. Even when we did the stadium stampede, where I, you know Jimmy didn't like it, and I was like, wrestling is all things to all people. When when, when Max and I did the dinner debonair, that's not wrestling. Bullshit. Because when I was a huge wrestling fan of my. In formal years, I watched Vince McMahon sing Stand Back with Hulk Hogan on bass and the Killer Bees and Brutus Beefcake and Greg Valentine playing saxophone and horns. That's wrestling to me. Yeah. Sorry. And people talk about, you know, oh, wrestlers today don't sell. Did you see when Jerry Lawler pile drove Hawk Road Warrior and he bounced right back up? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that happened all the time. It's right, yeah, exactly. It's, it's all things to all people. So it's cool that you have that perspective. But give us your, your last one. Well, I'm actually mad because you just mentioned it because he said feuds. And when, I just wrote this down because I'll put you over to end your show just to help you out. But <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Because I'm, you know. Talk uh, is Gabby Co. Yeah, exactly. So obviously, you and MJF was one oh. of the greatest, my favorite feuds in Thank AEW you. from head to toe. And one full year it went. One full it year. It actually ended at 366 days. And it did not feel that long whatsoever because it was one of those things where there were so many different elements happening, so many turns. That dinner scene was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Mm. And people, you know, there was a lot of people that were like, that's not wrestling, like you said. And I was like, who gives a shit? Like, this is whatever you want it to be. And it's right. one of the greatest things that I have seen on television <laughs> to the point where I watched it more than once because I was like, this is awesome. This Won is an award in the New York day. Times, remember? Yeah, yeah New York Times. Yeah. Like, you know, and then even to the turn, like the whole turn where he was your friend and, you know, Sammy and then, the creation of the pinnacle and look how far it's come to what it is now and the elements changing between each person. Like that's what it's about, man. Like, and I say that and that's what we keep saying all the time. But if I'm that tuned in where I'm rewatching something or I'm like, who cares? Like, yeah. why does it have to matter? Why does it have to be technically? You like it. Yeah. I don't know what th that move was called that you just did, but guess what? I give a shit because I like you and I like MJF. Yeah. And that's what it is at the end You're of the day. You're invested in the story. 100%. Yeah. And that feud, for me, he was awesome, as is from the beginning, but you took him to a different level, in my opinion. Yeah. And from what I've learned working with veterans like I do on my show, like, that's the point of being at a point in your career that you're right. in is that's, doing that for young guys exactly. and you doing that, like you didn't have to, you could have been a different kind of way, but you a hundred percent elevated him in my eyes, at least from a fan watching. So that, that, that whole feud was meant to elevate Max and meant to elevate Sammy. Yeah. And those two thoughts of mine, watch we, how we did it throughout the whole year. Like we said, yeah. And the reason why, once again, why I had that with Max is like, this guy's got everything and he's yeah. so young. And I would always say to him, you're not as good as you think you are yet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, imagine how good he's going to be two, three, four. I think a lot of what he learned from me, he's utilizing this program he's doing right now with Warlow. The one he did with Punk was great. And a lot of that stuff is Jericho, yep. MJF thumbprints that he, he learned. And that's what you do. You give the knowledge to the guys and then they go use it. I mean, obviously, Max is a no-brainer. Main event guy already. Just imagine you know, two years, three years, four years, five years down the line, 
but that's why we said the dinner debonair which was his idea by the way not mine although he wanted to do rocket man the elton john song and i was like we're probably not going to get that why don't we do me and my shadow anyways uh <laughs> you can't do that with anybody else who else yeah. could do that Jericho and MJF, I can't think of anyone else that could pull that no. off. And that's why I wanted to do it. And thank goodness Tony Khan, which is part of his genius, he lets us be creative. I know he didn't like the concept at first, but he let us do it. And it, to me, once again, it's a memorable moment in time of stand back in 1987. People will remember Dinner yep. Debonair and the matches and the angles and the turns and the promos and so many other elements to it that um, it's my favorite feud uh, one of my favorite feuds I've ever had, and probably my wow. favorite in AW at this point. Yeah, awesome. All right, Dave, last uh, last one for you. All right, I'm gonna go with since it's the last one, and we've mentioned this guy a lot, Shawn Michaels and the Undertaker at WrestleMania oh, 25. Yeah. I'll, I'll agree with you on that. Okay. For sure. Yeah. All right. And I, <laughs> and I think uh, to me, it's the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. Um, the Undertaker is the Undertaker, but. That was like right when the streak absolutely meant everything. Yes. And there were times in that match where I thought Shawn Michaels was going to beat The absolutely. Undertaker. And uh, it just shows you how brilliant both those guys are. At well, well, once again, you're talking about things that can never happen again. You're never going to have two guys of that uh, ilk, shall we say, 20 years on top icons in the business that they'd done the hell in the cell and a couple other things, but never really had that huge feud and the wrestlemania match i think to me that's my great that's my favorite match of all time wow. same as you 25. and it, you know it starts with the entrances it, Shawn michaels coming from the heavens yeah. and undertaker coming from hell from it's hell. amazing and like you said there was i watched it back recently with with uh, with marty elias who was the referee we did a watch along of it just to get his perspective and it, it holds up everything about it is great the story was great and like i said just these two iconic legendary amazing wrestlemania performers you're never going to have that again i don't know it's like going to see the stones like once the stones are gone you'll never have that ever again it's and true. i feel the same way with the, with that match and they did a second one which was a smidge less but the first but one it was fantastic, was fantastic. Too. yeah but but both of those matches were so amazing but i also really love the fact like you said that there's no way Shawn michaels is going to beat the undertaker but but if someone's going to end the feud, it could be Shawn Michaels. And they did it so well. There were so many amazing moments. The finish is It's great. a beautiful match. It yeah. really is. It's a perfect match. The taker sells it when Shawn kicks out of the pile driver. And, and his facial expression when he kicks out yes. is tremendous. Yes. Taker's always been such a great facial, facial expression work. Once again, you talk about The Undertaker. And Shawn Michaels. But the thing about Taker was so good. He was such a big man and so powerful. But his face, for being so stoic, could sell so well. Such a great seller. Beautiful. The and the crowd, too. The crowd yeah. makes it, too, because the crowd's fantastic. They knew it was something night. special. Yeah. Well, guys, we could do a part two of this. This, this went by so quickly. I got a show I got to do. In, uh, but this is, this is amazing. This Dude, is I can't a, wait for the show tonight. I man. like having crazy. you guys on because I don't have to worry about commercials and being rushed. I'm always getting rushed on the show. <laughs> now I don't have to worry about it. I can just uh, do it. That's not my out, fault. So. No, I know. It's you want me. me on forever. Hey, we got bills to pay, Gabby. We got to have commercials. <laughs> I know. I'm not oh, and by the way, yet. Chris, really quick, I want to thank you um, because you believed in this show early on when it was Doug Mortman and I. Doug Mortman. And uh, I remember you being doing an interview on TSN and you dropped Busted Open's name. Uh, and I really just wanted to thank you for that. Because last week, walking through Times Square on Broadway and seeing my face and, uh, you know, it, it's... It started, though, with people believing, and you believed right from the beginning, so I want to thank you personally. Well, when you get Gabby's face on the billboard, that's when you're going to get some ratings. That's the third person who has said that, by the way, but it's, it's fine. I guess we'll just wait for that Gabby. one. It'll, It'll happen, happen one day, Chris. Come on. <laughs> Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you. you.